0: Redbeard's Outfitter is a Mobile, Alabama-based outfitter offering a carefully curated selection of gear and apparel, outfitting you for your next adventure, exploring our world and building community. We love this local store and we love supporting folks like them who are building community in the outdoor space. Plus, they have some spectacular apparel for Alabamians and all the gear anyone would need to be ready to enjoy the outdoors. Use promo code TSO for a 20% discount online or visit them in store. Visit redbeardsoutfitter.com for more information. This is The Storied Outdoors podcast somewhere between Lewis and Tolkien and Lewis and Clark finding clarity in the stories we tell and the adventures that shape us
1: welcome to the storied outdoors my name is Brian and I am joined as always by my best friend and co-host Brad Hill Today, we are joined by artist and illustrator Breezy Brookshire. Breezy is an Indiana native and enjoys all things books and nature and is self-proclaimed hobbitish. Hobbitish. I like that. <laughs> Brad and I met Breezy in 2019 at Hutchmoot in Franklin, Tennessee and fell in love with her art and illustrations. She's a She has illustrated the likes of Audrey Bunny, A Little More Beautiful, and most recently she illustrated a book in collaboration with our friends Ken and Shea at Wolf Bane Books oh, entitled... Yeah the king of all things breezy welcome to the show
2: thank you thank you so much for having me it's good to finally get to sit down with you guys i
1: feel like it's a long time coming we've talked about it for a, a while
2: <laughs>
0: yes we have like a yes. list of people that we would like to have talked to for the podcast and you've been on it for a while and now now the time has come
2: it's happening the it's stars really come happening online. I mean the stars literally are aligning but so I, <laughs> yeah, they are, that they are. <laughs> for better or for worse. That's good.
0: yeah, we had we had we were blessed to have Ken and Shay uh last season and, uh, and really enjoyed talking to those guys and really have enjoyed their books and their storytelling.
2: Yeah, and aren't they solid? I love their vision for for Wolf Bane and what they're yeah. doing. Yeah,
0: they really are. We they're we said they're, they're our, our people. We hung out with them at Hutsmoot this past time we're like they're they're our people.
2: Yep. Oh good. You know, yeah.
0: Whenever I uh, I sat in you know, Brian and I were talking earlier about your the breakout session that you taught we sat in on that and I remember you know hearing you talk about your art and and there's a whole another conversation or maybe a question later that we'll talk about when it comes to that um, mm-hmm. breakout session but just as an art man I was sitting there as a dad. Uh, who has a daughter who's very, I mean, she really is gifted. I'm not just being like a dad. It's like, my daughter's like really gifted, but man, objectively she's very talented. And so I've done, I want to do whatever I can do to, you know, um, invest in that and to, you know, encourage her in that. What was for you, what was that spark that sort of ignited that passion for illustration and art for you?
2: Mm, that's a good question. I, I've always loved to, to draw in front of the time I was like really, really little, I loved to draw and was always looking for paper. Um, but sometimes like we would just sit around the table and my dad would doodle. He did a lot of drawing when he was younger. And so he would he had like a, a few different doodles that he kind of had down pat and would go through with us when we were really little. We'd, you know, sit sit at the table after dinner and play around with those. And he had like a silly face that he would do. And then there was just always plenty of paper and Lots of books. We went to the library a lot growing up. I think it was once we started homeschooling, it was a weekly thing. And then eventually, as I got a bit older, I was like, I love to draw. I love cartooning. I think I want to be a cartoonist. And then that eventually evolved into children's book illustrating because the fairy tale section kept grabbing me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I guess the follow up question to that is like, what do you tell, what's some of your encouragement for a young artist that I can maybe relay to her? Or if she listens to this, I don't know if she listens to dad's podcast or not. Um, but if she were to listen to this, what, what are some words that you would tell a young artist?
2: Mm, Yeah, I would say number one, get a sketchbook. Um, loose paper is fine, but once you start really, making a habit of it. If you have a collection of your art, you can see throughout the entire book and see it, you can see the progress or you can start to see themes mm. of what you enjoy drawing and making a a regular habit of it. Get a good set of drawing pencils. Um, they don't have to be super expensive. You can get like really cheap ones. I, I actually prefer the texture of the cheaper ones sometimes and have a little pouch with your little drawing utensils in there and just carry it with you wherever you go. Like, you see an interesting face if you see some flowers just practice incorporating that into your life on a regular basis with Mm -hmm. a sketchbook for sure that's
1: good i love that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think what was it andrew peterson that said you know they just magically appeared around the house these sketchbooks, you know that he (laughs) was (laughs) and you know you got aiden just making amazing thing art and and all these all all his children are also talented so yeah
2: they are so creative yeah
1: what a great um what a great uh, thing to, to kind of track your progress I'd never thought about that and the, the value of a sketchbook so that's
2: that's good it's cool yeah and hopefully you keep getting more and more sketchbooks and then they start to pile up and you start to see even more of it yeah that's cool yeah,
1: Breezy whenever we met uh, I have to admit that I was so ignorant and and I had not put a face with the name um, my ch- my daughter loved the uh, Audrey Bunny the book you know at, oh. at the time it was uh, she was like two or three Two and a half years old at the at the Hutchmoot when we met in 2019, and um, the, so like I remember you us going to your session and you talking about it and saying you're an illustrator and I was like, oh my gosh, I would love to write a children's book one day. And then like <laughs> I I go up to you at dinner and I'm like, so like. Could you like illustrate my book or something like that if I were to ever write one? And you're like, well, yeah, you're trying to be so nice and like, you're probably thinking, what what is this Dumbo doing, just asking me to <laughs> illustrate a book he hasn't written yet?
2: Honestly, it depends so much on so many factors. <laughs> and I, I'm like, I don't even have a
1: children's book that I'm writing, and I'm just like, I just thought it'd be cool and like.
0: I don't know and, if you know this, but Breezy's well, kind of she's a she's
1: kind deal. of a big deal. And so like, <laughs> fast it's, it's
2: forward twenty people. Fast
1: forward like twenty four hours, and we're standing there in the little library that they have at Hutchmoot, and I'm looking at the shelf, and like Breezy standing beside me, and I'm literally holding Audrey Bunny in my hand. I'm like, "Oh, my daughter loves this book." And I look at the illustrator. I'm like, "Wait, Breezy, Breezy, what? Wait, what? Did you write this? I mean, did you illustrate this?" And so I felt so stupid. <sighs> but then, um, wow, then I realized, what like,
2: it takes a while for things to.
1: Yeah, had, I had a. Uh, I quickly have gotten to where we absolutely love your art. I've bought. Anything that has a bunny on it, I think. Um, oh. the, uh, the the little dad bunny in the chair with the kids, reading to the kids. I've got a little.
2: Yes.
1: I've, I've got a bunny smoking a pipe and uh, one sitting at his typewriter. You know. You, yes. I'm I, 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 thought
2: I, about that one, I love that one. Oh, my ah. gosh.
1: That's my favorite. Yeah. So, um,
2: yeah. So, those little COVID projects. <laughs>
1: yeah, those were COVID projects. I like look forward to like you would release these yeah. things like on a Friday or something. I'm like, oh, here we go. What are we gonna yeah. get tonight? And so, <laughs> yeah, I should do
2: that again. It was fun. The adrenaline. Oh yeah. Selling like little watercolors or selling little watercolors very quickly.
0: Yeah. Just sort of. Yeah, you know, like uh, you said, we're saying how you're a big deal, and you're like in a small group. It made me think about Andrew. Andrew talking about he's famish.
2: Famous, yes.
0: <laughs> I appreciate that. Yes, I'm at
2: a yeah. homeschool conference. Someone will recognize me. Oh, that's Fam-ish.
0: funny <laughs> the, you, um, you, you, you said something breezy that, that sparked my interest or made me think of something. When you're talking about when you look at things, you know, and you're you're seeing things that you would draw. Mm-hmm. How like when you're on a walk outside? How does that change the way you you view the world around you as an artist?
2: Oh, I love that. Oh, I love, well, number one, I just adore tree leaves. And so I'm always looking for trees. I'm like automatically glued to the trees. And I love just seeing how they, they kind of hang like groups of hands. And I think there's a name for it, but I just love seeing the shapes of leaves, how they fall, how the wind moves them. Even like there could be like a slight ripple along the mm. edge of a leaf and it has this extremely organic quality to it. And I love it's. It's almost like they're, they were drawn in a sketchy way. Mm. And so when I draw, I I've like sketching was my first love and I think I'll always love it. And I'm going through a bit of burnout right now. And I feel like that might be the ticket to me for me to help like kind of ease back into it. Cause I, um, It's just so restorative when you're out in nature and, like, the lines. The outlines of everything. I don't know. It's just very profound. The colors obviously are great, but, like, being able to translate... All, those, all of those textures and the movement mm. and getting to see, that's another thing too, the movement or the direction that things are going. If you've got like a variety of trees in a group, you've got um, some of the um, the spruce or the junipers that are kind of like pointing up over here. And you've got maple trees that are just kind of like falling over themselves over there. And then you've got the oak trees that are just kind of spreading their arms out and then they kind of fall. And, um, and then- Palm trees. I don't believe palm trees are trees. They're t- they're not trees, I don't have them in Indiana, so I don't care about those. Just so y'all You're know not how real. I feel You're about not a
0: real tree,
2: palm tree. <laughs> but they're tree. doing their own no, thing, it's in too. your too. You're just a long
1: <laughs> pineapple.
2: So yeah, just like every every plant has like kind of their own body language, and I think that's kind of what I look for first, and what I just kind of forgot that I intuitively pick up on. So thanks for asking.
1: Mm. man i love that i love how i love talking to artists because of the way that they see the world it's a different it's a different way than than um than people who don't have that artistic side uh and i just i just love it because it's fascinating and it's a it brings a whole nother dimension and it helps me to, it kind of challenges me to think about things a little bit differently um so you you talked about sketching and but you've also got this this illustration side of you when did you make the jump from just like artist in general like someone who who sketch and paint to being someone who can illustrate because I feel like those are two very different skill sets and
2: yes they are (laughs) it was it was a journey for sure um I think I was probably around I think I was probably getting close to graduating high school. I was starting to get a pretty good idea that that's what I wanted to do. Um, I might've even illustrated a small book by that point, but getting to it professionally, I had started putting a lot of my artwork on a blog back when Blogspot was, you know, <laughs> the main social media at the time. And we had, my sister and I had a joint blog and we would take turns posting and I was always posting art. And then Pinterest was new and, somehow my art ended up on Pinterest and there probably weren't a ton of I mean there were there were a lot of artists on there already, but some author had a friend and, who was also an author and they were like, Hey, look at this girl, check this out. And and the one author just fell in love with my stuff and begged her publisher to give me a chance. That's actually who I'm staying with right now. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. While I'm here in Franklin on sabbatical. So God, yeah, just provides in really cool ways and everything's full circle. So um yeah, so so she begged her publisher to to check out my, my portfolio, which was pretty small at the time, but I guess it had the right variety that they would look for. Um and I hadn't done anything quite that big yet. So I think I was 2021 20, when we first started talking and made the jump into mm. kind of full time illustrating.
1: Wow. And do you do you still prefer the the sketching, the the the, the nature pictures, the little woodland creatures? What are you? Or do you like, do you like the books that combine both of them?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I, most of the books I've done incorporate nature in a big way. Usually Um, I love, I think I love faces. Faces are super challenging. Um, And I like drawing kids. I haven't drawn as many adults in children's books as much as I'd like to. Maybe, maybe I'll focus on that a little bit more next. Maybe more of like a people oriented story would be fun. So I love drawing kids with a huge nature component and anywhere I can fit trees in. Yeah, yeah. And Mm -hmm. so sometimes sketching is, um, I mean, it always starts with sketching and then I can put paint on top of that typically. But yeah, I like it when I can stay loose enough and it looks like a sketch and then I can add color without it getting muddy. Mm-hmm. there's a delicate balance there but yeah there's it always starts with sketching 100
0: yeah so we talk about that can you talk about that maybe a little more and get into the, maybe the a little bit of a detail and you know you go from this sketch to do you do you sketch out like the whole story do you choose mm. like you read the story and you pick yeah good question you pick a couple of sections like oh this this is the one i'll illustrate for this page and this page or so how does that work I, i'm just
2: super yeah it's kind this. of honestly a little bit of all of that once i um get a manuscript i'll read it and then i'm kind of looking for i don't want to read like i don't want to overanalyze it but i want to be able to like connect with it on an emotional level the first sure. time i read it and sometimes i'll i'll see things pretty once in a while i'll see things pretty vividly and i'll even make a quick sketch on the paper if i've printed it off i'll make a little doodle and then i'll probably i'll read it a couple more times with a sketchbook and make a few more Doodles that are pretty loose, but by that time, like I kind of know what I want the characters to look like, or I I have a a pretty good feel of what I what I'm getting from the story or what's Mm. what will come out naturally. So I'll play around with that, do some like character design, and then fill in any of the gaps of the story that wasn't visually making sense just yet. Sometimes it just takes some working out, trying some different angles and stuff. And so I'll build up the thumbnails for a while. It takes I can, that process can take a few weeks, actually, because it's a lot of mental work. And then yeah. from there, yeah, then I'll do more detailed drawings, and then I'll move to watercolor paper. And so mm-hmm. through that process, I try to keep it as short of a process so that I don't lose some of the steam or the liveliness of the drawings and try to get some like really good uh, I don't know. See, what, working with watercolor paper is kind of tricky. Trying to get that sketchy quality onto rough paper, but eventually it makes it. <laughs> <laughs> it comes through. And eventually, I'm happy with it, and it gets it gets painted, and then and then there's the scanning process, and then there's the reviewing process, and everyone's looking over the details and discussing it, and make sure the text is in the right place and the coloring of the pages are correct and everything
0: oh man that's so yeah. so interesting do you, is that something that you know when you create sort of a character from nothing right you know the art the, the author's written it but they haven't visualized it yet is that sometimes, something you send yeah. to the author and you're like hey you know what do you think about this rendering of this character
2: yeah sometimes i will sometimes they'll add notes like either they're their publisher or they themselves will be like hey i imagine her with like really curly hair or i'd like the mom to have so you know, this this complexion or it's based on this person so i'd like to see this feature or whatever um and so then sometimes sometimes i wouldn't have imagined that at first and then i incorporate it or i'll let it flex a little bit and show them some options yeah
0: that's awesome I love yeah that. so yeah, fascinating
1: getting to see behind the scenes of these of this is, is just fascinating to me you know um you know I love um you know, one of the things that Brad and I started out this podcast and one of the things we wanted to really accomplish is to literally just kind of put some good into the world you know some you know not get too political not get too um right or left and you know just really from a Christian perspective and, and putting something into the world, art story, um, finding interesting people. Uh, we feel like we've tried to accomplish that, but I feel like that's almost, I feel like that's what the artist calling is, is putting something good into the world and, and just, mm. and I don't know if I'm accurate on that, but I sure do. <laughs> it sure does put a lot of good into my life when I'm looking at these these beautiful paintings and drawings. And, you know, we've had uh, several artists on here before and I just, I can't get enough of it. Um, Mm -hmm. What is, what is your, your journey, I guess, and, and, and kind of your driving force behind your art?
2: Mm, That's a big and very good question. I think kind of backing up a little bit, like going, going to art galleries and stuff especially with current art I feel like there's so many people who aren't intentionally putting good into the world like they want they want to say something and they want to create art and they can be very very creative but it's so emotionally heavy sometimes going to galleries and mm. it's not always enjoyable and I'm like, I'm an artist, I don't even like, mm. <laughs> I don't even like this, <laughs> which is probably why I'm more drawn to narrative forms of art, because you've got an author with a story who probably has something to say. And if it's for children, it's typically going to be constructive. And And I've also been super blessed to encounter a lot of um, similar music too. And probably some of that's through the rabbit room for sure. Mm-hmm. But like, um, you've got you've got artists and you've got these very sensitive souls who love beauty and truth and goodness very deeply. And that's married to this drive to say something about it or respond to it in some way or create some goodness of their, of their own in a, you know, creating more beauty, adding to the beauty. And so I've, I've really, really grown in this idea of like, my art kind of reflecting a place. And a lot of people have told me, and I I don't know if I would have thought of this on my own. I think I've felt it subconsciously, but a lot of people have said, it's like your art and your characters are all coming from this place and I want to live there. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, me too. I do. And I think so much of that is, I think I used to say it was, It was me wanting to point people toward heaven and our ultimate home being with God. And now I'm like, that's even more true now. How did I even know what I was saying back then? Mm. (laughs) It's like, Mm. it's even more true. I feel like I'm finally telling the truth. But that's also just kind of the process of self-discovery and getting closer to embodying truth. But there's also very much loving home and loving places and i've um most places i've lived i've lived for a very long time or have had a chance to get a very deep connection with mm. the old an old house a piece of property that's you know either surrounded by fields or woods and i could sit by a window and just watch the seasons go by and that was a huge part of my inspiration for a long time oh, so now that i'm not in as permanent a situation i'm on nooks and crannies of of um places to to work and live and but i'm starting to kind of loosen my grip on that because home as an inspiration is such a poignant deep thing and i love creating homey spaces um but i'm also learning to kind of be freed up a little bit and and that's been a fun process too so i guess ultimately i am I'm very, very delighted by the beauty and innocence of a lot of things, and innocence in a way that there's like this timeless quality. Quality to, I mean, you think of like, I one of my inspirations is kind of this idea of a medieval apothecary garden in a cloister. I went to the Met's uh, cloisters um, place out in. Um, in New York City uh, several years ago, and it was one of the most impactful Mm. things ever. And it's just one of those places, there's just such like ancient beauty there, and Mm -hmm. you just feel so grounded. I'm like, I, I want kids to be able to, and even adults too, to get to have little whispers of that beauty and later on be able to pick up on it and go, oh my goodness, like, this is, this is deep and meaningful and this, this isn't just a fad. It's beautiful because it echoes other mm. deeper, truer things that have been around for even longer. So oh, hopefully good. that kind of answers the question.
1: That's great. Yeah. That's awesome.
0: Huh. Yeah. Those are certainly the places that you want to sit and be for a while.
2: Yes. Yes.
1: I think back to that, um, that session that, that you did at Hutchmoot, And I think of, you know, the, the, the topic was about grief. And, and I think mm-hmm. you had just, um, I think it, you, you said that you had just it'd been about three years since you'd lost your father. And, uh, at the same time within the last year or two of that time, we, we met you, Brad and I had lost our father, uh, you know, my dad and his dad. And, And it just, what you had to say was just so impactful. And I think there was not a dry eye in the room, Um, but, you know, just, we, we've talked a lot about grief on this show and, um, you know, and, and kind of our own personal journeys with that. And, you know, is, can you tell us a little bit about your journey with grief and and maybe has art had something to do with that? Um, Or is there a journey that art has taken also?
2: Yeah, they're kind of woven together and I think a lot of my creativity has kind of ebbed and flowed with the with the emotional experience of that of course. And sometimes it's been honestly there have been several moments where I have found a lot of comfort in art and I kind of forget this sometimes, but there there have been moments where I've just had you know those tumultuous tumultuous feelings of just overwhelm or darkness or just is the word malaise that kind of like blah feeling of like Mm. i guess this is how life is now Mm. and i feel that deciding to just sit down and create something and it's not even like I am going to create something beautiful. It's it's almost like not to be cheesy, but like a form of self-care where you're like, you know what, I just need beauty in my life. I'm desperate. I'm gonna light this candle. I'm gonna sit down with this paper because I love the texture. And I kind of miss how the pencil feels on the paper. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna push it around the paper until something happens. And then you just the muscle memory starts to kick in and it kind of carries you through a little bit. So there have been a lot of moments of that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a really, really hard time. There was, there were four weeks between my dad's, um, lung cancer diagnosis and his passing. Mm -hmm. And he had, we had hospice for him like the week before he passed and And even then it was only to get oxygen for him because the doctor didn't think his levels were low enough, et cetera. So like by the time we got it, we needed hospice desperately. It was just happening so fast, but there was a moment where he was sleeping a lot. And this is, I haven't thought about this in a while. And actually the anniversary um, is this Thursday, but there was a, And I I think I probably mentioned this at Hatchmoot a while back, but there was a moment where I was like, he's sleeping all the time. There's nothing we can really do actively right now. And my studio was right off of the living room where he was resting. And this was, this part gets me, but I was like, you know, my dad knows me as this artist he's cheered on for years and I can't do anything. So how about I just take a moment and get back to life that feels normal for a few minutes. And and I just sat at my table and I painted and I worked on this little, little tiny watercolor painting. And it was the sweet little experience where I felt like if at any moment he opens his eyes and he can see me, like I'm going to be doing what he, what he knows I love and what Mm. he's encouraged. And so, Mm. yeah, Man, that's, Anything, that's strong. Yeah. yeah, and I think in a moment like that, someone might, you know, question like, "Well, shouldn't you have been beside him, or shouldn't you've been taking care of things?" And no, one, no one was asking that question. It was just kind of like a, "Well, of course, this is this is what we do, and and that's okay." Like any any kind of moment of real life that you can bring back into the horrors of a mm-hmm. week like that it's going to make it a little more okay like you need mm-hmm. some normalcy yeah so then even after that there was a like i think i painted the picture for his um the little program or the kind of the little memorial paper that they they have at the funeral so mm-hmm. we did that and it was a painting of a sailboat cuz he loved sailing when he was a lot younger and then as time went on it was just honestly this deep dark depression that comes with grieving and I had zero, zero drive to really do anything. And I think I probably tried picking up a sketchbook once in a while. I had an iPad I was trying to learn to paint on and everything just kind of fizzled out. And I can't remember if there were any books that I turned down during that season, but I feel like there was definitely like I had, I had enough cushion to just coast for a bit and thank the Lord that I did. Um, I mean, God definitely provided cause I decided to take the summer off cause I'd done a lot of books back to back, took the summer off. He got sick. I was trying to rest from all those deadlines and then that happened. So I was able to have my full attention there. And then after that, it was just this like, okay, what am I doing with my life? We're just gonna, eat and sleep and eat and sleep. And that was, that was also just a very sacred time of being with my family and us going through it together. Mm. And tons of memories of just how we got through and how our patterns changed. And I do remember there was a, a day, I want to say it was maybe like eight months out where I felt like a little bit of the sunlight was coming back in figuratively. And I got my sketchbook out and I think I drew kind of a self-portrait of with a bunch of, it was almost like a cloud of witnesses type of drawing where I had all these faces and they weren't of anyone I knew. It was kind of like a fictional version of me and, you know, actors playing people that I know, (laughs) different faces. And and it was kind of me in a a smock with some paintbrushes and stuff. And I just kind of remembered like, I'm an artist and I'm going to get through this. And all of these people that are like in this with me, they're all experiencing this and they all love me and we're going to get through. Mm. And then I drew like a picture of a girl comforting a pony in a stable. And I'm, I'm not a horse girl, but I was like, this feels like it could be in a chapter book. Maybe I'll do chapter books someday. And then, and then at some point a friend reached out about a book. It was Catherine parks. She had written a book um, called empowered, which is a series of biographies for, um, it's about Christian women for girls, middle grade girls. So I got to do some black and white portraits for her chapter book. And that was, cool. I think that was the first like, um, kind of serious work that I did getting back into illustrating. So from there, I just kind of clawed my way forward and eventually decided to get my own place and just keep pressing on. And that's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Cause I was living at the time I was living with my family. Yeah. So,
1: That's good. You know, I think that's the hardest thing for us who have have suffered loss is getting back to some type of normalcy. And Mm -hmm. and, you know, but I think about it, I think my dad would not want me to sit in that grief. He would want me Mm -hmm. to keep pressing,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. you know, keep moving forward. And it's it's but that is so hard to do. It's hard to take that next step. It's hard to do that, the mundane again, when it's not the same as it was. Um,
2: yeah, very much so, yeah.
1: Yeah, wow. I'm glad that you did. I'm glad you got back out there.
2: Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God keeps providing, he provides just enough light for the next step.
1: Isn't that the yeah. truth? Wow.
0: Yeah, I think that's why I always say uh, his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Not a not a cube beam or a flashlight way off into the distance, right? It's just mm-hmm. kind of sh- it's kind of shining right at our feet because that's really about all I can handle anyway. So, honestly, I, honestly, yeah. yeah, I don't need to see far off. I just need to see where I, what's in front of me there. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah
0: absolutely.
2: Grace for today. Grace for what's tomorrow. We're not there yet.
0: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, interesting you. Sketching is so, and one is fun. You know, I mean, I think everybody sketches yes. at some point, you know, however, you know, stick man the shit may be. <laughs> uh, but I think everybody loves sketching and it's a lost, it used, I think it was more common. I think it before a lot of digital technology, I think sketching was a lot more common. I mean, I remember I think back to like when I was growing up, people always drew on their notebooks. You know, her, you know, their minds wandering in class, and that everybody would doodle something, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and, and even <coughs> way before that, I was, I was just at the Beatrix Potter exhibit at the the first um, National Art Museum. Oh, nice! And as children, Victorian children were expected to draw extensively, and Beatrix Potter and her brother. Um, their whole fa- It sounded like their whole family liked to do art and different types of drawing and painting and crafts and whatnot. But it was also a very common thing for Victorian children to be taught how to draw. So lots yeah. of people there for a while, like, that's what you did.
0: Yeah, well, that's kind of what I was leading to. Uh, when you see, like, we call this a podcast, somewhere between Lewis and Tolkien and Lewis and Clark,
2: mm-hmm. right? Ooh, I
0: like that. Well, <laughs> even Lewis and Clark in their... You know, in their journals, and their their travels across America, they they would illustrate, or they would draw, or they would try to remember, like, this is what this species of tree that I've never seen looks like. And so they're trying to render, you know, it down. Because they didn't have a camera, right? You know, I don't have a camera to capture this. So everybody sort of drew, and, and historically, I think everyone has taken moments to capture things with sketching as sort of a... I think it is a lost art. I wish we could encourage it or bring it back you know i don't know if it's going to come back because we can't put our iphones down but whatever (laughs) But uh, i think about you know old journals you know people would would always have sketches of things that they saw in their journals definitely uh, yeah you know i do that as you know they may not be very good but it always helps me remember places that i am if uh, especially if it's a scene Mm -hmm. of a a place that that i want to kind of remember and so it Mm -hmm. takes me stopping for a moment and looking like i said looking differently it does it does uh, it kind of
2: it has to hold you have to be held there for a moment mm -hmm. and then you work through all the little kind of visual problems and figuring out the shapes and it makes you look closer yeah
0: for me photography and and brian too we both love to you know capture things with our camera and that was something my dad loved and did and I inherited his camera, and so kind of took, you know, started doing that more, and that makes you slow down. But boy, sitting down to draw something is next level slowing down, yeah, you know, because you really have to look a long time, and you'll draw and go, "Oh, that's not it," you know, you erase or whatever. Um, yeah, but yeah, that I, I like the, I like the how it makes me slow down. You know, it causes you to stop and look deeper.
2: Yeah, yeah, this. There's this funny kind of silence. It's almost like, Oh, I'm not used to that. Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> How did not. he get so far away from this kind of silence and paying attention?
1: Yeah. So this, these, these places that you draw, I mean, I'm looking over here at one, it's, it's a little, it looks like a fairy could live there. My, my, I bought one for my wife and it's above her desk. And, um, <laughs> and then you got all these little woodland creatures and you got these beautiful watercolors and these little cottages. I mean, have you been to these places or do they only exist in your mind or I mean is this mm-hmm. a is this a, a land that's out there that's only in Breezy's head that <laughs> <laughs> everybody Where wants to go?
2: It? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a lot of it's a lot of places I've been, it's a lot of piece, places I've read about, it's a lot of places that I've seen in in BBC movies that <laughs> hopefully I will get to be at someday uh, um there's you know the classic um the Secret garden I think was probably the first movie that I saw as a young kid where I was like wait there's that was beautiful mm. and I liked it what was <laughs> I want more of that and then... I'm thinking of like reading Anne of Green Gables mm. and so much of that takes place in the outdoors and she's got, you know, the um the haunted woods that she runs through and then there's the lake of shining waters mm-hmm. and they you know talk about the flowers that they're arranging or putting in each other's hair and the language of flowers and um when I was young I liked to get my identification books and Put them in a little tiny knapsack. I was always kind of looking for the perfect bag to put my adventure tools in, and I was like, I'm going to become a naturalist <laughs> or I'm going to rescue baby raccoons in Louisiana. You know, <laughs> it's just all kinds of these funny little things. I'm like, someday I'm gonna, or um you know the classic i want to be a marine biologist when i grew up you so. know
1: that's a that's a field i think all of us wanted to do my son oh. wants to be a marine biologist i'm like He's eight, it is eight years hard. old.
2: I've heard it is so hard to get into that field professionally because so many people loved it growing up.
1: Yeah, that's like yeah. I thought that was like one of the only jobs available growing up. You know, it's like oh, exactly, well, you can though. either be an astronaut or a marine biologist. In you know? the
2: honestly, with all those oil spills, we were constantly being told about. That was the main thing you did. You grew yeah. up and rescued ducks. I'm gonna get, from- I'm gonna
1: get some <laughs> Dawn dish detergent, and I'm gonna rescue a duck. Gonna save the
2: world. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> this is how we do it. What else would you want to do with your life?
0: You know, it's funny that the church that I serve at, I live in Mobile, so I live down here on the Gulf Coast and on Mobile yeah. Bay. And uh University of South Alabama is here in Mobile, and uh, we have the Dolphin Island Sea Lab that's connected to the university, so there are a couple of uh, folks that attend my church that actually are marine biologists, and they work at the Sea Ooh. Lab. Oh, my living goodness. The dream. They're, they're living the dream, man.
2: That they're is. The dream. That is. You should have a fish me. <laughs> There needs to be like a special uh episode.
1: We need to we need this episode brought to you by Don Dish dishwashing detergent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, we've uh, actually had a
0: couple of marine biologists, you know. Um Matt Lewis. Yep. Matt Lewis has been on the show. He's yep. a biologist. Hmm. And uh and Hank and Hank, yep. That's what Hank does up in yep. North Alabama. That's true. We have. Pretty cool. Good
2: that's the job that's the that's the dream job
0: right there it is the marine biologist
1: so bridge uh, uh, oh go ahead brad I, I i go ahead
0: i think we're on the same page i think we're we love i love sitting around a good fire. there's nothing like a good fire in my opinion, and yeah. so we call this a, a little digital campfire if you will this podcast we're on zoom, but imagine yourself sitting around a warm campfire. And yeah. everyone's faces kind of glimmering and, and glowing from the light of the fire, and it's real dark behind them. And we're all leaned in, listening to stories. And your turn is next, Breezy. What is? What would be like one of your favorite fun stories, or maybe a scary story, or maybe mm-hmm. you nearly died story? You know, I love a good close call story yeah. personally. But uh, any kind of any kind of fun story that you would love to tell around this here campfire.
2: Fun stories. Let's see. There's, there's little smatterings of fun little adventures that I've been on. There have been, I think one of the funnest things that I used to do in the great outdoors was I was part of a church for a few years and every fall they had a camping trip. And it was like every like almost everyone showed up everyone somehow made it and even if it was just for one night and so there was um it was this nice little park way out in the middle of nowhere in Indiana and it wasn't just flat like it was an actually interesting piece of land with some woods and it had a quarry and there were some like little trails so we'd pretend that we were exploring caves and There wasn't enough to really get lost in, but enough to, enough to create a little bit of, you know, spookiness and conflict amongst the big kids and little kids. (laughs) And there were also canoes and there was a river and there were so many, so many times we would be on the river and there'd be groups of us and all kinds of like joking and goofing off and you know these little tweens flirting with each other trying to figure out life and who they liked and how the evening was gonna go and there was also like a chili cook-off all the dads would have their special recipe of chili they would make and ah and then we'd have soccer games Playing soccer in the dewy grass was always super fun. <laughs> I never like played seriously, obviously, but <laughs> you got to be involved a little bit. You figure it out a little bit. <laughs> it's just that community feeling of like getting to do hands-on stuff with your church family. And you're at that age where everything is so new and exciting and there's all kinds of drama going on and you've got you know babies crying and mom's trying to keep everyone in line and then um everything's sweaty and everyone's wet and tired and you finally get to the end of the day and you're in some dry clothes and the pastor one of the elders leads up a prayer for the evening you have a hot bowl of chili and the best part, the best part I always loved was the singing and the dessert. Mm-hmm. And so I was in a tradition where they only sang Psalms, but they were set to a lot of traditional hymn melodies. And a lot of the people in this church knew, um, new harmonies. And so the singing was beautiful. And then we would have these, um, these we would like bake the, the dough on the ends of sticks oh, and some people. I've had recently little, like, seen
1: that. I've just recently seen that. How did I right? not know I just this? Video.
2: It unlocked all these memories. i I was like, wait, we used to do that all the time. Oh, it was so great. So you could just now yeah wrap hungry. dough on the end, <laughs> cook it, and then fill it with pie filling. Oh and then and then goodness. chase each other in the dark until it was time to go to bed. And then what a
1: great memory. Wow.
2: Get in your damp tent and wake up in the morning and you could hear the little birds and the early morning light starting to glow and kind of quiet. And then the craziness would start all over again. Do it
1: all over again.
2: Yeah. Wow. There was one year we were down by the river and we were climbing the trees because they would arch over the river. And I didn't recognize it at the time, but apparently there's something called poison oak. Mm. And climbing those trees is how I got introduced to poison oak. Oh
0: nowhere. no, that's not good. Yeah,
1: that oh, was not a that subtle food. introduction either.
2: Mm. No, and I slid down that tree <laughs> more than once. Mm. <laughs> Gosh, and <was> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, just, mm-hmm.
1: just thinking about it. Mm. Yep,
2: it was it was the worst. But yeah, those are some really sweet memories. I'm like, Bet I you didn't I, do that again. Mm. Oh no, that was the only year. <laughs> only time I <laughs> And then I told all the little kids every year after that, "Don't do what I did. Don't do, do what I, I did." Please, I'm trying to save
0: you pain, woe, and sorrow. <laughs>
1: oh. <laughs> no
2: more sorrow.
0: Well, um,
1: I have to ask do you do you have a favorite tree?
2: Oh my gosh, yes. To what draw or
1: to, just to draw? Like, yeah, I'll I? take any answer. Oh, yeah.
2: um, I like. Okay, I let's go with one that? that
1: you like to draw and one that you okay. like to just uh, admire.
2: Ooh, um. Oh, geez. Okay. So, honestly, I love I love drawing and looking at white oaks. Mm-hmm. They are just the best. Um, I have I have mixed feelings about bur oaks because the acorns, like. They've always been a part of my childhood, but they're also kind of weird. But the general <laughs> white oaks are I can say that weird.
1: about a lot of things. It was part of my childhood, <laughs> but it was kind of weird. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes. It was kind of cool, the other thing. Not so much. Um yeah. And I think too, what was disappointing about the Oaks is like they they look cool. They make the, the caps make really great hats for little dolls. I used to sew these little tiny dolls and you put a little yeah. acorn hat on them. Yep. By the time you'd find the burrow caps, all the little frilly bits were always smooshed off or like walked over, and you just couldn't find a pretty one. Yeah. And then at that point, they were just extra weird. But yeah, drawing drawing white oak leaves is one of my favorite mm-hmm. things. And looking at them, I'd love to like if i ever if I ever own land at some point, I hope there's a good white oak tree on the property. Or I always, could plant some. I could plant so trees could for future generations.
1: Yeah, right. we were looking at planting some um, some oak trees on our hunting land, and I was like, "Oh well, it's got to be white oak, right?" I mean, you want to plant some white oak? Absolutely. They don't grow. They don't. Have, they don't drop their first acorns until like thirty or forty years. Oh. And so it's the <laughs> like, planting
2: trees
0: for your Sunday.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Here you go, Charles.
1: Here's a tree. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, that's fantastic! I had no idea.
1: So, which one do you, you like to draw the white oaks and then you, you you like the um i guess white oak is is it hit both categories I
2: like, yeah i like i like drawing and looking at admiring white oaks and then i think baroque is a type of white oak um and then they're fun okay what i like about baroques though is that they tend to be some of the tallest trees in the forest at least around here um there, there was a clump of woods behind the house I grew up in and it was just far off enough to where, I don't know, you got a good view of what all the trees were doing throughout the season, mm. And there was this, I liked how singular, singular bur oaks, they just stretch their arms out just straight. But when they're in a group they're very impacted by their surroundings so they just their arms kind of do this Hmm. instead and they just take on a almost completely different personality based on who they're standing next to
1: that's fascinating Um, wow
2: yeah there was like a a sycamore right next to a bur oak and they both just kind of went what (laughs) (laughs) and they were like sisters they were there well they were like i don't say twin sisters but they were like Um, you know, the, the sister with blonde hair and the sister with brunette hair, and they were doing different things, but they were like kind of accommodating each other, but they were there, they were friends, they were next to each other. Yeah, but off, you know, way off, way off where, you know, the neighbor farmer's land was, was, you know, smattering of lonely baroques and they were all formal they looked like introverts they were just kind of <laughs> i don't know they were perfectly shaped they had their act together but they weren't as interesting as the ones in the woods
0: yeah. so yeah i don't know man, I think, what, about, what about you brian man
1: I, i'm probably i got two i've got yeah, what about you i've got yeah. I, I love a uh, live oak they you know mosque hanging off yeah. of a live oak that just, is, Dang, just you took mine well i knew it i was i had to i had to get it first because you you're living mobile <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no i i do love that because it reminds me of home uh I, my parents mm. grew up in south alabama and you know my mom and sister still live there and just uh that just seems like home man and but also i love a willow tree um yeah. I mean, just a lot of good memories of willow trees beside ponds that I would fish in growing up and um just the way that they just when they're when they are done right, I mean they just could get enormous and just drape over it, just so flowy. I don't know, they're just they're just really beautiful to yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Brad?
0: Since you took mine <laughs> Nah. I, I I I vacillate between the two here in Mobile. I love a beautiful cypress tree oh, because yeah. of the. I've been spending a lot more time on the water in my boat, Ooh. and so you see those cypress knees sticking out of the water and cypress trees, and they also will have a collection of moss usually in those, and they're beautiful trees here in the south and on the water. But recently, I've had the opportunity to a couple of years go out to Wyoming. And there's the one place that I've visited twice now, there's a massive ponderosa pine mm. that just stands up like this massive sentinel on the side of this hill. And mm. it is so beautiful to me. And uh, we don't have those, those kind of trees here in the South. We have, you know, long leaf or loblolly, but they don't grow quite like uh, a ponderosa pine does out in Wyoming. And uh, man, it is, it, all by itself is just incredible looking and it's on the side of this mountain where there are rocks i'm like this thing's tough because Mm -hmm. those roots are holding on to you know to rocks and uh man it's really cool so yeah it's my probably my favorite now
1: awesome wow that's, that's beautiful all right breezy the last question we like to ask our guests is uh what is your next adventure
2: Oh, my next adventure! And you may be
1: in the middle of it right now with this sabbatical. You might be in
2: the middle <laughs> of it. I so yeah. I guess I'll talk about what's kind of currently happening. Is I'm on a sabbatical. I had not taken a summer off. I could I could take pockets of time off, but I hadn't really taken a honest vacation in a long time. And then i I got the bug to come down to Franklin and Nashville, Tennessee, and so it's like God was really impressing on my heart that he wanted to show me how he'd provide for me and just to take some time to rest and do a Mm. a massive reset so i packed honestly i was feeling a lot of burnout debated bringing my art supplies i'm glad i did um starting to feel the creativity trickle back a little bit Mm. and um Yeah. So I've been, I've been just exploring the area. I've loved driving around these rolling hills and on the winding roads and especially at golden hour. I mean, Indiana is pretty flat and it's, it can be very, very beautiful. Like no doubt. I kind of love that it's flat. Um, but I've, man, driving on non-straight roads there's just something about it man <laughs> it's a little exciting I'm like oh gotta pay attention and the sun hits the hills just at a certain angle at a certain time of day and everything just mm. glows and you get these what i really love about golden hour and just past that is when the shadows start to deepen and there's almost this like amethyst quality to it. You Mm. know, the shadows are kind of blue, but when they're so deep, they're almost violet and you're just, Mm. they almost vibrate. They're so rich. So getting more textures of that at different times of day, like "Mm, this is beautiful. So it's been very restorative. I, I love it. I would. How long are you going to get to stay
1: down in Franklin?
2: I've definitely for one more month. I it might be a little bit longer and someday I'd love to live down here. Who knows? Yeah. But I
1: mean, you're about to hit the prime time Franklin. I mean, it's the yes. the leaves are about to explode probably in about a month and uh, you'll you'll <laughs> want to live down here forever when you see that.
2: <laughs> oh no. I <laughs> don't twist my arm. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I would really love to see that. I want to see if I can, yeah, get that in for sure. Mm. That'd be gorgeous. Awesome.
1: Well, thank you so much, Breezy. This has been yes. fantastic. Very lovely to to get to talk to you. Um, we've, you know, we've, we've talked a lot over the last several years, but this has uh, been really, really great. Thank you for joining us.
2: Yes, I've really felt like i got to sit around a campfire with you guys. This is yes. really fun.
1: Well, Brad will put some uh, crackling of the wood in the mm-hmm. background. Yeah, a little
0: background <laughs> will just make it seem like we're, we're actually sitting around one. That'd be lovely. It's That's almost a campfire season, too, man. It's, it's, it's starting to be a little cooler in yeah. the evening. Even in Mobile, yeah. it's like 60, 61 tonight, I think, is our some We're getting there. I'm looking, f- looking forward to a little break in the heat because it's been a whopper of a summer down here in Mobile. Yep. Oh, I bet.
2: But uh man, thank you so
0: much for, for coming on and, and sharing Thanks for having me. Sharing your time with us and sharing some of your story with us. Um yeah, man, I hope uh you know I'm gonna continue to sow those seeds of creativity for my daughter and maybe she'll yeah. be an illustrator one day. She has all the makings of an illustrator. So
2: Yeah, supportive to, parents go a long, long way.
0: Yeah. Just trying to cultivate that in uh, in her life. But thank you for sharing all okay. of that maybe we all maybe we all get a pencil and paper and sit down and sketch a little something a little something yes. more. i hope this encourages people to do that uh that our journals would have pictures and words not just pictures but there's okay. some something about it but uh i want, i want to do better at doing that mm-hmm. every now and then i'll be inspired to draw but now i just need to be better at that but thanks for uh, inspiring us and thanks for your art and sharing that with us we hope uh you know like brian said we're trying to kind of interject some goodness into the world not contention wow. but just some encouragement and some in- inspiration and some goodness to for people to slow down to look deeper into the world around them and to mm-hmm. maybe draw something or write something or tell a story maybe yeah. sit around more campfires and share more stories like this so the world would be a better place i think if we did more of that right absolutely right, we hope this podcast encourages people to do that uh, to write their own stories, to share their own adventures in the place we love to call the Storied Outdoors. Redbeard's Outfitter is a Mobile, Alabama based outfitter offering a carefully curated selection of gear and apparel, outfitting you for your next adventure, exploring our world and building community. We love this local store and we love supporting folks like them who are building community in the outdoor space. Plus they have some spectacular apparel for Alabamians and all the gear anyone would need to be ready to enjoy the outdoors. Use promo code TSO for a 20% discount online or visit them in store. Visit redbeardsoutfitter.com for more
2: information.